This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Pouring salt into a very open wound there with his production. Doing it dirty, James. I feel like you're a little too happy today, by the way. A little too happy about the downfall of the Miami Heat last night. I uh, little known fact about me, I love other people's misery. <laughs> I don't really? know if that is, in fact, little known about you. You oh, are okay. so do do you root against the success of friends? Uh I mean it depends on which friends they are. Well, they're not really friends if you're rooting against them. I, I think he just likes everyone to be unhappy around him right. at all times. I, Makes I'm him unhappy. feel better. Yeah, I'm unhappy, so I want everyone else to be unhappy, too. Right. Appreciate now, the honesty. I believe he has said many a times that he hates the Boston Celtics. Doesn't seem like it, though, because seems like he found it amusing that they won last night. I did not. I did not find anything about that game amusing, particularly the fact that he were up nine points early in the third quarter. The Boston Celtics down 3-0 in the series, on the brink of elimination. It felt like it was going to happen in that moment in the third quarter. The Heat had taken control, and then three minutes later, everything had changed, Joe. And the Miami Heat turned back into the Miami Heat team that I watched all regular season. The Boston Celtics turned back into the Boston Celtics team that we watched all regular season, and none of that went well for my Heat. Well, credit to Boston for not rolling over and dying. They very easily could have just packed it in and said, you know what, to heck with this, one, two, three, Cancun. And they didn't. And you know what? I appreciate that. Because, shockingly, I don't think anyone has realized that for the first time in history, we had four 3-0 series in the conference finals between the NHL and the NBA. Right? Lakers got swept. That one's done 4-0. You got a situation where the Golden Knights... Might sweep Dallas. That could end 4-0. Panthers could win tonight over the Hurricanes. That would be 4-0. And this could have been 4-0, but it's not. 3-1. I don't know what the fewest amount of games ever played between all four conference finals is between those two sports, but shocking how fast this is all wrapping up. So I applaud the Celtics for showing up. Whether or not they can stretch the next three out and figure out how to get it done, that remains to be seen, and I know we'll dive into that. But what did we honestly expect, right? The Heat have been fantastic. At some point, the shooting was going to fall off. The Celtics had been miserable. At some point, the shooting was going to heat up. I know we don't like the nerds necessarily, but the law of averages, shooting regression, all these these, these things we talk about on a regular basis, they matter. And that's what we saw last night. At some point, the Celtics shots were going to fall. They did in the second half. At some point, Miami was going to go cold. It happened in the second half, and it resulted in a Boston win. Now I got to ask you, after all that hype yesterday between you and your former co-host, is anyone actually worried about how this series wraps up? Or do you think this thing is still as good as over? I'm worried. Of course I'm worried. And oh, the reason wow. I'm worried, the reason I'm worried, what and I recognize, I recognize it's 3-1. I recognize that no team in NBA history has ever climbed out of the hole that the Boston Celtics are still very squarely in. I recognize all of that. But the reason I'm nervous is because that statistic is normally in favor of of the higher seed, right? The team that is the better team, the team that is normally the one or two seed in the series that is up 3-0 is the team that goes on to win. And it's the lesser team, the lower seed that doesn't crawl their way out of that hole. This is a very different situation here where you have an eighth seed up now 3-1 in this series. And it feels like 
all the rules don't apply to anything that's happened here in this postseason because it's been very unpredictable in the Eastern Conference. I believe in my Miami Heat. I don't think that they were a true eight seed. I also think they were hustling us during the regular season. And I very much believe in playoff Jimmy, even though he denies his existence. Nevertheless, how could I not be worried? The Boston Celtics were the best team in the East all season long. They are the better team on paper than the Miami Heat. And they have turned back into the Cinderella. And yes, only for one half in this series, but it did exist. And I did see it. And I saw the Miami Heat turn back into the pumpkin and go the other direction. And so, yes, there is concern. I'm not saying I think the Celtics are going to get it done. I still have confidence. I still think the Heat obviously are not overwhelmed by winning in TD Garden. I still expect them to be able to do that. Heat and five, baby. Nevertheless, I will admit there's a little fear. To put it in perspective, the Golden Knights are currently up three games to none on the Dallas Stars. The Golden Knights to win their series minus twenty four hundred. I mean, you have to risk twenty four hundred bucks to win a hundred. In a somewhat comparable situation, Miami up three games to one over Boston. They're only minus two seventy five. Risk two seventy five to win a hundred. Very rare that you're going to see someone with a three one series lead that small of a favorite over the opposition. No, see, I love it. I love that. I love that, Joe. I'm surprised the Celtics aren't the favorite, right? I mean, there was all sorts of... (laughs) Heat Twitter was uh, comical last night because they're saying, yeah, now the odds makers, absolutely. The Celtics are about to be the favorites again. I'm sure the Celtics in game five, I haven't looked at what the line is, are probably favored by like 10 points. Okay, there you go. Eight. Absolutely absurd. But you know what? I love it because what happened to the Heat last night was the first time they were favored. I think maybe in this postseason, but certainly in the series, right? It was the first time they were favored. And look at what happened. They took their foot off the gas pedal. They started playing, get sloppy. They were turning the ball over a ton. They turned into the Boston Celtics is what they turned into from the first three games. And so here we are again, an underdog. I'll take it. I feel like this Heat team needs to be the underdog. I believe they were a favorite against the Knicks at some point, but it was the first time that the Boston Celtics were an underdog the entire postseason. Celtics were favorites in every single game they played until last night, and as a dog, they ended up winning that game. What this comes down to is whether or not, and I side with you, I think Miami gets it done. I know that's shockingly out on a limb, but let's look through this for a little bit. Number one, Miami hasn't lost back-to-back games all postseason. Now we're asking them to lose four in a row. Number two, The Celtics are 9-8 and this postseason. They haven't been that great. It took six games to get past Atlanta, seven games to get past Philly. This one's going seven max if they survive. I don't know. This is a team that they're going to need to shoot well for four consecutive games and have Miami shoot poorly for four consecutive games in order to advance. And we haven't seen that from this Boston team. Go back to game five in the closeout against Atlanta. They're at home. They couldn't figure it out. They fell on their face late in that game and let the Hawks win. Game one against the Joel Embiid-less Philadelphia 76ers, they lose. Game six, they have a miserable night against the Sixers. Should have been eliminated from the playoffs, but the Sixers were so bad over the last six minutes of that game, they gifted Boston an opportunity in game seven, and then the Celtics closed the door and won that one as well. And then in this series, they started by losing three in a row. We would be looking at this very differently if Boston had won game one and then lost each of the next three games. We'd be sitting here laughing, saying this thing is done. But this is recency bias. Because Miami won the first three and lost last night, suddenly people are looking at Boston and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, they can get it done. I mean, Greeny was talking about it today on his radio show. Makes a surprise appearance 
guest cameo on his own program. <laughs> And he comes out and he says he sees the Celtics getting it done. No one would have said this if the Celtics had done this in game one and then lost the next three. Everyone would be sticking a fork in him. So, again, don't let what happened most recently weight your opinion more than everything you've seen throughout this series, this playoffs, and this season. Real talk. I tuned into Greeny today. I was shocked to hear the voice of Mike Greenberg, but we were glad to hear it. Great to have Greeny, of Love course, it. when he can make an appearance on his Better own Better than the show. other two in there, just, you know, button heads like two rams up on the side of a hill. We love Canty and Carlin. Stop. Not so, we. yes, there is some concern here because you're right. There has been a drastically shifting narrative where now people think that the Celtics can do what has never been done before. Jimmy Butler doesn't have any concern. I know James is yelling at me to go to break right now. I don't care. I want to hear Jimmy Butler sing. Is everything going to be all right? And I feel better. That's all I needed to hear. I need to hear from you, though, America. Should I be worried about my Miami Heat? Let me know. Give us a call. Join the conversation here on Joe and Amber. 888-729-3776. Should the Heat be worried now that the Celtics got one? They told us, don't let us get one. Well, we let them get one. Are we going to let them get four? 888 say espn Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. We're just weeks into this year, and the news is already nonstop. Two overseas wars, a presidential election already testing the democratic process, a former president in court. It can feel impossible to keep up with, but we can help. I'm Brad Milkey, the host of Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Every morning, my team and I get you caught up on the day's news in a quick, straightforward way that's easy to understand. So kickstart your morning. Start smart with Start Here and ABC News, because staying informed shouldn't feel like a chore. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. The sounds of Alicia Keys telling me not to worry, which was what Jimmy Butler was channeling at his post-game presser last night as the Heat fell to the Boston Celtics in Game 4, 116-99. to We're going to take your phone calls in just a moment. Should my Heat be worried? 888-SAY-ESPN. Join the conversation. But first, Joe's got some advice. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Up to you whether or not you want to take that advice after last night's disaster. One in four minus 3.48 units for the night. Overall shows since January, 127 wins, 116 defeats, one draw, plus 14.3 units. Double dipper here, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, Eastern Conference Final. 
the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes. We're going to make two bets. We're going to go under five and a half goals for the game. We're going to go under one and a half goals for the first period. We've only seen nine total goals through three games in this series. Panthers netminder Sergei Bobrovsky has been standing on his head. He has stopped 110 of the last 111 shots he's faced. He's absolutely been incredible. The unders 3-0 in this series. You have a situation where we've only seen two total goals in the first period the entire series. One of those was a power play goal. I think the trend continues. So your first two pizza monies of the night, under five and a half goals in the Panthers hurricane showdown, under one and a half goals in the first period of that same showdown. Now they trail three to one with game five on Thursday back in Boston as they win game four. We play good basketball all season long, exception for this last three or four games, but we got to just keep going. It's time my turn. Got to get ready for the next Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your phone, and your furry friends with life, electronic device, and pet health insurance. Should my heat be worried? Triple eight, say ESPN. That's where we find Raymond. Raymond is in Wisconsin. Raymond, thanks for the call. Should they be? If Boston win game five, yeah, I believe you should be. Do you think they're going to, though? Yeah, I do think Boston's going to win game five. And then what happens the rest of the way out? I mean, with Miami going home for game six, they got to put all of that into that game because that there, there, there's no scenario where they can say that they're still confident after being up 3 nothing going to Boston for a potential game seven. It's certainly uh, not a situation that I would imagine that the Heat want to find themselves in, but they have proven that they can win at TD Garden. Let's take some more of your calls. Triple Eight, say ESPN. Mike is in Manhattan. Mike, thanks for the call again tonight. What do you have? What's up, guys? Uh, to me, no. I had Miami before the series winning at six. I'm going to stick to that. Simply for the fact is the Boston is the most uh, – Heckle and Jekyll, unpredictable team, good team we've seen in the league for years. You don't know what you're going to get from them game to game. Uh, they play lights out, finally sh- showed heart in the second half, and Tatum played like a superstar. But you can't project for that to happen the rest of the series. Spolstra is a master and the best coach in the league, and he's going to make the proper adjustments. They're not going to play as poorly as they did in the second half. I thought Miami got way too lax a days ago. They were sloppy. They were, they were turning the ball all over the place in – when they were up nine there in the third and looking for it was going to be a sweep, and they, they credit Boston for taking that game for them. But you're not going to get that from the Celtics from game to game. And let's not forget, Celtics are not a good home team. So playing in the Garden is going to be no problem for the Heat. So even if they did win tomorrow night, I think the Heat closed it out in six. Uh, there's no way a Sproso coach team is going to be the first team in, the, in, in NBA history to blow a 3-0 lead, in my mind. That's well said. Not. To your point on the uh, struggles at home, they're 4-5. and five at TD Garden this postseason, and we saw something like this last year as well. Boston doesn't exactly have a great home court advantage. Now, if you look at the Denver Nuggets, they haven't lost a single game at home this postseason. They have been blowing out the competition at home. But it's not that case for the Celtics, so the Heat could pull it off. Right. That thin air might help a little bit there uh, with the Denver home court advantage, but you're right. Either way, you would expect that they would have been playing better at home, protecting their home court. The truth is... 
I don't know if either of these teams are intimidated by the other team's home court, right? We've seen Boston win in Miami. Stepping back to the last postseason where they won a game seven in Miami, obviously we've seen Miami win at TD Garden as well. So I don't know if home court is necessarily as big of a conversation in this series with these two teams that are so darn familiar with each other. He made, so darn familiar with each other in the postseason, by the way. He made a great point, though. Imagine all this talk about heat culture only for Heat culture to become oh, the only so franchise in NBA history don't to blow a 3-0 series lead. Nah, uh, uh, I'm not trying to – he already even, put it in the universe. I'm just commenting on his commentary. That's all it is. Say ESPN, that's where so we find Matt. Matt in South Dakota. Matt, should my Miami Heat be worried? No, absolutely not. Jimmy Butler is a dog. He has the Celtics right where he wants him. He wants to go into Boston and take the – soul out of that team and out of those fans now that's the kind of phone call i'm talking about that's it's called what confirmation bias is what that, that is that is my guy jimmy butler does seem though like the ultimate troll and maybe this is just the ultimate troll job from jimmy butler where he was like nah you know what we don't even need to do it at the sweep here at home i'm gonna go in game five i'm gonna do it up there and send those Boston fans home crying. Maybe that was the plan all along. It was just that you were asking so much from one team, any team at all, any team at all, to be able to sustain that level of performance for four games in a row and get the sweep. It, it, it's just, it's, it's astronomical. The way they were shooting, what was happening to Boston, at some point it was going to turn. It turned last night. This, however, makes for a really compelling, really compelling game six. Because as an eight-point dog, if you go to Boston, I don't care if it's a blowout or a one-point win. The, the style points don't matter. But if you go up there and lose, that's when the pressure starts. I don't see any pressure right now. You're up 3-1. You're fine. You still have another home game. But if you go up there and lose, and now they're halfway to that task of winning four in a row, now all of a sudden in their mind, they just need to go down to Miami and win one, and then they'll be fine in game seven. That's not necessarily the truth, but you can't allow yourselves to get to that point. You really need to put a big fight up in game six here, or game five, if, excuse me. If, if there ifs, is yeah. a game a six, if there is a game six, the difference last night was Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, 33 points, 11 boards. Your superstar played like a superstar last night, and he played like a superstar particularly in that third quarter, and then actually made shots in the fourth quarter, which he hadn't done all series long. So he played like a superstar in the second half, which is what you needed from Jason Tatum if you're the Boston Celtics. Is it too much to ask a guy who a lot of people tell you is a top five or top three player in the league to do that now three more times in a row? Is that too much to ask? That's a 17-point win with Jalen Brown playing very poorly. Very well, poorly. He could step up and cover some of that. For Jaylen, that's been a theme for Jalen Brown has. this postseason. We'll see what his future looks like in Boston. Either way, they're going to have an interesting decision to make there in terms of his contract with the money that he is due to make this upcoming postseason. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Joe and Amber, Joe Fortenbaugh, Amber Wilson. Find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. And you can tell your smart speakers to play ESPN radio. It is that simple. So should I be in panic mode as the Miami Heat dropped one, only one 
They're still up 3-1 in this series, but they dropped one last night to the Boston Celtics, 116-99. Let's bring in some help with the conversation. Andre Snellings, ESPN senior writer, joining us here on Joe and Amber. And Dre, should I panic? <laughs> what up, family? Um, panic's too strong a word, right? They're, they're, <laughs> still, up three, they're still up three games to one. Um, you should be aware of the situation because – so one thing I noticed with people – they're still kind of quoting the nobody's ever come back from 3-0, uh, 150 instances or whatnot. But it's not 3-0 anymore. It's 3-1. So there have been teams to come back from 3-1. The Celtics had, would have two of the next three at home. So, you know, you should be aware of this. But the Heat still have to be kind of overwhelming favorites. They've already shown they can win in Boston. They're not scared. And they were in control of the last game and, until they had a little cold spell in the third. So, be aware, but but I, I wouldn't be losing sleep just yet. You know, shockingly, they're not that big of favorites considering Boston is an eight-point favorite in game five, and if they win that game, then everyone's going to start talking about the panic meter yet again. I mean, I know you look at things from an analytical perspective. If Boston had won game one in this series and then lost the next three, we wouldn't even be having these conversations. We'd be sticking a fork in them. But because they won the most recent game, suddenly there's life. I mean, it's just as simple as the Heat finally didn't shoot well. Boston finally shot well. Boston got the win. So now it really comes down to a battle of threes. Can Boston sustain this shooting percentage while limiting Miami over the next three games, in your opinion? I mean, it's going to be difficult, right? Like, normally, the, the reason why nobody has ever come back from three games to, to none is that typically if a team wins the first three games of the series, it's because they're playing better. You know, like, it, it, it's – at some point, it starts to be, it's not a fluke anymore. It's, this team is just playing at a higher level than the other. And so to flip the switch and all of a sudden it goes the entire opposite, where the other team is suddenly playing better, that's, that's unlikely. You know, and so it's, it's unlikely that the Celtics can win the same way each time. But I mean, I have, you point, heard, I have heard you point out that Jalen Brown didn't play good, play well last game, and that, you know, there's a bit of a, a pattern as far as that goes in these playoffs. But, you know, the, the Celtics, Brown and Tatum, in my opinion, never, like, synergize together because neither one of them is really a team offense creator. They're both scorers. So the best-case scenario for Boston is almost that they can take turns and both be hot. I don't know that is to, to happen uh, three times in the next four – I mean, I'm sorry, three times in the next three games, but that's kind of what Boston's relying upon. Andre Snellings, ESPN senior writer, joining us here on Joe and Amber. Uh, I like your analysis. However, it is a little concerning when you're talking about, well, typically the team that's playing better doesn't just suddenly stop playing better. Although typically the team that's playing better is actually the better team. And a lot of people would argue (laughs) that that is, in fact, the Boston Celtics here, at least on paper. It's not normally the lower seed that ends up up 3-0 in the series. But regardless of who ends up winning, and this, of course, affects the Heat more because obviously the C's have to do it now in seven. But the Nuggets are resting. So no matter who wins this series, the Nuggets are going to be more well-rested than whoever ends up winning in the East. At what point does that become a real problem, do you think, for the East opponent? So uh, the bigger problem for the East opponent is that the Nuggets are juggernauts right now. Um, you know, you're, you're a Heat fan, so when, when I say that the Heat team that's playing now is not the Heat team that they were all season – because Jimmy Butler is not the player now that he was all season, 
it should resonate with you that the same is true of the Nuggets. The Nuggets were the one seed in the West with Jamal Murray playing, you know, solid basketball. Now he's playing like Steph Curry. So if he continues to play like Steph Curry with Jokic playing like he is, then they're just probably going to be better than whatever team that they face. But so I don't know that that's a question of rest. It's just a question of, yeah, um, if I'm the Heat, I would like to end this as soon as possible so I can start focusing on how the heck do I uh, have the impossible mission of slowing down the Joker and Murray. Nelson's been able to figure out how to do it. Denver just rolled through the Los Angeles Lakers, swept them in four. All the focus is on LeBron James. Comments after game four about how he's going to consider retirement. What do you think? Do we see him next year? What percentage of you believes that he might actually hang it up? Uh, um, For me personally, there's no percentage that actually thinks he's going to hang it up. It would be going so counter to everything that, he said and planned for in the last few years like even his contract with the lakers is given such that he would play with them next year then have a player player option to opt out the following year which oh by the way would be when his son is coming to the nba and that's been his stated goal is to play with Bronny. so i i understand that lebron was probably playing playing in a lot more pain than people realize like, that foot injury was supposed to be a season-ender, you know, something that he had to have surgery on. He just kind of thugged it out for, what, three months and, and kept playing at a high level. So that had to be very, very tough mentally. And then to lose like that, you know, just emotionally. I mean, I'm, I'm not mad at him for, you know, uh, venting his feelings at the moment. But I personally would be Stunned. I w- it would be more stunning than like, my, my favorite football player of all time was Barry Sanders. When I moved to, to Michigan, he retired. And I was like, there's no way he's staying retired. And he did. And, and that was one of the biggest shockers of all time. But if LeBron retired now, I would be more stunned than I was when Barry retired. I mean, heck of a way to get us to talk about retirement and not a sweep. Andre Snellings, ESPN <laughs> senior writer, joining us. What do the Lakers need to do? Is Kyrie a realistic option for this Lakers team? Do they really need Kyrie to get over the hump? So from what Wendy, uh, from what Brian Windhorst has been saying, it sounds like it might be a reasonable option. You know, he's been laying out that the Lakers could clear up to about $30 million of cap space without giving up, you know, LeBron, AD, or uh, Emo Austin Reeves, who's become their third-best player. And so, you know, it would require Kyrie to take a bit of a pay cut. I think he's eligible for something like 45 or $47 million a year. But $30 million isn't exactly playing for the league minimum. And for Kyrie to be at a point in his career where he is wanting to win championships, you know, I'm told that, that – he lives and has family in in, in the California, L.A. area. Um, so it, it would be maybe a natural fit for him. And the way things kind of went in Dallas after he got there, it wouldn't be surprising if he wanted to look for greener pastures. So is it, is it realistic? Yeah, I, I can see it. Is it, you know, is it enough to put them over the edge? That is always a double-edged sword with Kyrie, right? Like, Every team that Kyrie has gone to for the last, like, seven, eight years, he was supposed to be the difference maker to, to get them into contention, and all of them underwhelmed. In a lot of cases, they weren't as good as he left as they were when he got there. So, um, you know, there, there are circumstances here, and the last time he won, it was playing with LeBron. So, you know, 
the, the point in his career he's in, maybe it will work. But, you know, you would have to be a little bit nervous if you're putting all of your eggs in. Kyrie's going to save us because that hasn't worked out too well for the last few teams he's been on. Uh, not exactly. Andre Snellings, ESPN senior writer. You've been killing it on the morning show all week. I know you like your appearances on Joe and Amber Moore, though. You don't have to say it, Dre. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. I will come more often if I get more invites. Hey, we will we will hold you to that. We so you better that. be careful. You better be careful. Oh, you better be careful what you wish for there. <laughs> James may never leave you alone. Uh, thanks, Dre. Also, if you if you like basketball writing, definitely go check out his articles. He is uh, my favorite writer. I will say it on the dot com. Joe and Amber continues on Kyrie, by the way. Joe, because I just love what he said there with Kyrie, because how many more times are we going to have the conversation of is Kyrie going to be the difference maker? I mean, we have been having that conversation, like he just said, for like eight years, and it doesn't work out at any of these other teams. Well, you're looking at it the wrong way. He was a difference maker in Brooklyn. He made the difference of them being unsuccessful versus successful. He was a difference maker in Dallas. They went from playoff contender to not a playoff contender. He's making a difference. He's just not making it in a positive way. I found it fascinating that he put out, what was it, that Instagram, where he started telling everyone, stop talking about me. Mm -hmm. We have the conference finals going on. The season hasn't wrapped up. You should be focused on what's happening on the court. Stop talking to me on social media. Everyone wants to know where I'm going to go. But yet, you made it a point to show yourself to the entire world sitting courtside at that Lakers game. Like, what do you think people are going to do? There's no one who enjoys getting up in front of everyone so that everyone will look at him and everyone will listen to him just so he can say, hey, everyone, please stop looking at me. Please stop listening to me. Then stop doing things that draw attention because that's all you do. You want attention worse than anybody. Courtside. At a Lakers game, he didn't buy those tickets on StubHub, okay? We know that the Lakers most likely helped him out a little bit with where he was sitting for that game. And so one would believe there's a relationship there then between Kyrie and the Lakers. And so everyone's going to be talking. You are 100% right. You do not put yourself there in that position right. in front of those cameras, in front of that crowd at that game. In that seat, if you don't want us talking about it, you know exactly what you're doing, Kyrie. Exactly what you're doing. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, we're going to keep talking, just not about Kyrie. Another quarterback says he's not worried about money. Should we believe him? Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. We are going to sound on, sound off in just a moment. But first, Joe is going to do what he does best. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Let's go to the diamond. A little showdown tonight between the Miami Marlins, who are traveling to Colorado to play the Rockies. Reigning NL Cy Young winner Sandy Alcantara is pitching for the Marlins. We're going to bet that he doesn't go more than 19 and a half outs. So what does that mean? If he throws six and two-thirds innings or more, we lose this bet. We're playing under 19 and a half outs. ERA this season, 5.05. How many times has he gone? Six and two-thirds innings this season, three of nine starts. So it doesn't happen a lot. He's not pitching very well this season. 
He's at altitude against the Rockies. The over-under for that game is set at 11 runs, and the Miami offense stinks. Colorado's offense stinks as well, but if you put a total of 11 out there with two bad offenses, something's cooking with the wind, the altitude, and everything in between. I don't see Alcantara going deep into this game. Final pizza money of the night, Sandy Alcantara under 19.5 total outs. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. I didn't discuss this off air with you, James, and I probably should have. But why don't you jump in here and do sound on, sound off for us? All right, fine. Producer yeah. extraordinaire James Steele, if you don't mind. All right. A little under the weather. See, wouldn't mind resting I my feel like, for a moment. I feel like you're setting me up here because... Go the, to the bullpen. Uh, I feel like you're setting me up because the first sound bite is... There's that just as well. yell at me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you haven't heard before on this show... <laughs> The Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes won their second Super Bowl in four seasons earlier this year. Mahomes is in the second year of his half a billion dollar extension. But after seeing several of his peers get big extensions this offseason, talk has been about when the Chiefs would rework his contract. The reigning regular season and Super Bowl MVP, though, says he's not really worried about it. Yeah, I mean, I always keep me and my agent and the team always keep open communication uh and we try to do whatever is the best for the team but obviously i want to do the best for myself as well um but at the same time i want to i've always said i I worry about legacy and winning rings more than making money at this moment um but uh, i'm i know we keep communication we see what's going on on around the league um but at the same time i'll never do anything that's going to hurt us from keeping the great players around me so it's kind of teetering around that line didn't we ban James from talking nope. about the Kansas City Chiefs on this I show? I think there was a two- or three-day hiatus, which is up by this point, but yeah. I don't think we ever reinstated it officially. Well, you don't need to officially reinstate it. So I heard two or three days, and we're good. Uh, all, right. all right, so Joe, he's uh, going the Burrow uh, method here, uh, saying he's more worried about winning and his teammates than he is about his money. So do you believe him? Well, this isn't the Burrow method because Burrow hasn't gotten paid yet. Burrow is coming up on that first big extension. So he comes out and he does the whole thing with the look. You know, got to take care of the guys, got to worry about everybody else. Smart. Then let the agent go try to get every last dollar, and then it's on the Bengals to figure it out. It's not your fault for going after everything. So it's two different stories. Mahomes has already made it past his rookie deal, signed a monster contract. Between that, the endorsements, and everything he does from a business perspective, he's going to be worth a fortune. I truly believe him. I mean, it's not to say I don't believe Burrow. I think Burrow's giving you more quarterback speak than anything else, though. I think when it comes to Mahomes, that's what he truly believes, and that's kind of what differentiates him from so many other people. We've never heard him talk about money, really. We don't see him in situations that just at any way – it just always seems like he understands how to make the right decision. At every turn, he's proven to be a very good decision maker. I don't see any reason to doubt him now. We've never heard him talk about the money. No, we just watched him take the money. He's always made the right decision. Like, what are we talking about? This is the guy that already got the half billion dollars. So, yes, maybe now he means it. He already, again, got a half a billion dollars. It's very easy to say, I care more about legacy when you've already taken the $45 million a year contract like Patrick Mahomes has already done. He, it cost him Tyreek Hill. I mean, clearly, he wasn't so worried about legacy at the time that he was willing to take some massive discount. 
to keep his star wide receiver. He didn't seem to have a problem with that, which is what ended up costing them in terms of just Tyreek Hill. I know James is going to go crazy because clearly they still win a Super Bowl and they go on to be able to do it without Tyreek. But we can't say it didn't cost them weapons. They were able to do it because of his greatness without Tyreek. Tyreek proved his greatness in Miami as well. He was a great asset. Ultimately, it was fine, and they were able to survive it without him because of Patrick Mahomes' greatness. But it wasn't because Patrick Mahomes took a discount. It wasn't because Patrick Mahomes did anything in terms of actual legacy here. I don't know. I I just feel like it's a very easy thing for Patrick Mahomes to say now. It's saying the right thing. It means nothing. He just got paid a half a billion dollars and is only in the second year of that extension. Yeah, he didn't get all of that money. He's only in the second year. Not yet. He's going to. Yeah. All right, so speaking of MVPs and contract extensions, Lamar Jackson finally got his money this offseason, and the Ravens went out and got a whole bunch of weapons for that Ravens offense heading into this season. What will that look like for Lamar? Here's uh, Baltimore's quarterback. Do you think, Lamar, when you say less running, do you think that's something that could, in your mind, could, could big picture wise, could extend your career, or is that something that doesn't go into your mindset about the less running? Uh, I really don't. To me, it really don't matter. I feel like, However, God, however long God want me to play, that's what it'll be. It don't matter about how long I'm going to run. Because the running backs, uh, Frank Gore played how many years in the league? He was a running back, you know, so it don't really matter about running. You know, I feel like it's on you and God. Huh? <laughs> Amber, what do you expect from an offense that's maybe a little more passing than running with Lamar Jackson? How about we focus on the offense is going to win and win in the postseason for the Baltimore Ravens, which is something that Lamar Jackson desperately needs to do now that he finally got this contract and that he finally got paid all this money. How about we don't worry so much about what it's going to do in terms of, I'm not saying go out there, risk his body, may have him ground and pound, have him play like Josh Allen where it's going to shorten his career. I'm not saying any of that. I understand that as these quarterbacks age, they need to take care of themselves, but also the Ravens need to stick somewhat to their identity that has worked and not get too crazy with it. They need to allow Lamar Jackson to be Lamar Jackson to the extent that is successful in a postseason, Joe. I don't think there's a team in the NFL I'm more excited to watch this season than this Baltimore Ravens team. He's paid new offensive coordinator, more modern offense, new weapons around him, top five defense, one of the best coaches in the NFL. And, oh, by the way, you happen to be in the league's marquee division, the AFC North, alongside a Pittsburgh team that hasn't had a losing season in Mike Tomlin's tenure, a red-hot Bengals team, and a Browns team that is going to be much better this year than they were last season. I cannot wait to watch the Ravens. I'm going over nine and a half wins. I think they're going to be a serious problem as long as he stays healthy this year. As long as he stays healthy. And that's the reason to keep him in the pocket a little bit more than he maybe traditionally has done. I think that that is maybe even more important than talking about the length of Lamar Jackson's career. At this point, let's talk about keeping him healthy so that he can be available to them in a postseason and so they can win in the postseason. Coming up next, how worried should I be about my Miami Heat? We'll get back into Celtics Heat in just a moment. Joe and Amber, the podcast. 